Hey guys, welcome to the Keeping It in 99 podcast here with episode 27 and episode four of our uh, success series, the final episode uh, we have today with us, very special guest, again, part two, uh, part two, uh, Father Nathaniel Gerges from St. Mark American Coptic Orthodox Church in Atlanta, Georgia. It's great to be back on Keeping It 99 with you fellas. <laughs> thank you. So I just want to, before we get started, just want to say thank you guys for all the support. We've hit 250 subscribers which means we're one-fourth of the way to 1K. So, uh, you know, if you share it with three people that don't watch the podcast, we'll get to 1K really fast. So uh, just make sure to, to share it, leave a like, comment, subscribe, everything. Um, so today we're talking about spiritual success to conclude our um, success series with Nate here today. And so my first question for you is, like, like, what is spiritual success? Like, if you had to define spiritual success, like, what would it be? What's your definition? Great question. Uh, I might give a long-winded answer, but if we're going to define what is spiritual success, maybe we take a step back. How would I define physical success, right? There is a, a marker in which I'm trying to attain as far as what is optimal physical success, as far as my physical health is concerned, right? So if I look at spiritual sec- success, what is the marker in which I'm going to look for for me to reach perfect spiritual success? That has to be anchored in the reality of the person who is the perfection of spirituality for humanity, which would be, our Sunday school answer would be Jesus. So that has to be the marker. So one of my favorite books is a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the habits for highly effective people is to think of the end in mind. So if I'm wanting to reach success in anything, driving, whatever. I'm, I'm using a silly example, but success for driving is for me to get a point A to point B. Physical is it for me to lose X amount of weight. I have a marker in which to read success. So if I'm looking for spiritual success, it's for me to become more like Jesus. As simple as it is, it is the profound fundamental definition to how to attain spiritual success. I mean, yeah, I agree with that answer, obviously. <laughs> I'm going to be saying that all on this, on this episode, I think. But, um, like, I feel like putting Jesus really as a center of your life, and I've said this a lot, is that, like, it's very important, especially spiritually. Um, and so I'd like to, like, further this conversation into, like, um, obviously comparing yourself to others in anything is not really a healthy way to live, especially spiritually. Um, and... I feel like the only person we can really compare ourselves to when it comes to like spiritual success or spirituality in general is really ourselves um, with like Christ being the center of that. So like what are some tips you have maybe for like increasing uh, spiritual success? Very good. A very common saying that exists in early Christian fathers and patristic writings is if you know yourself, you know God. If you know yourself, you know God. So know yourself. So the more I'm in touch of knowing my strengths, my weaknesses, my gifts, um, if the more I'm in touch with that reality and I bring it back to God, bring it back to the person of God, Jesus, this is where I'm able to uh, continue to push through struggles, uh, try to attain a higher level of spiritual success. So the more I'm able to look inside, be more introspective as every aspect of who I am and bring that back to God, specifically Jesus, this is where I can attain more spiritual success. Yeah, and I, I think like spiritual success, especially like trying to tie it back to like Christ, the creator, like 
it's it's so important. I think it's something that we overlook a lot, um, especially like knowing yourself, and that's something that a lot of people uh, struggle with, which is like 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 an identity crisis. Like, who really am I? Mm. Um, so, like, obviously, that's a very important part to being spiritually successful. Is you have to know who you are. So, again, what are some tips to uh, maybe figure out who you are, especially because you know most of the audience is around that you know age in life where it's like, who really am I? Very good. So if I'm wanting to know who am I, I need to ask, where did I come from, right? So if I'm wanting to look for my identity, I need to look at who created it. I mean, think, put that to anything. I'll take, I'll take your phone. Like if I want to know the identity of this phone, I want to look at the designer of this, this Apple logo, which is the company Apple. So I'm going to ask the maker of the phone, what is the identity of this phone? If I'm wanting to know more of who I am, I want to ask the maker of me who I am. So the more I come to God and ask, who am I? Then the more I'm able to have a better idea. I can't come up with my own definition of who I am intended to be, but I need to ask God who I'm intended to be, who am I designed to be? So the more I kind of um, be introspective to see my flaws, my sins, my struggles, my gifts, my strengths, then I'm able to have a better understanding of, of who I am. So it takes a lot of, uh, self-awareness, a lot of exploration internally to kind of have more of an assessment. I know that's a very broad answer, but there are so many different exercises in which I can do to kind of assess um, different aspects to know who I am. I don't know if that's the direction we want to go in, but I kind of, I'm just shooting out a very broad answer that I got to analyze various aspects of who I am to have a better idea of who I am. I cannot come up with my own definition. For example, I cannot if I have this massive booger on my phone, um, not my phone, on my nose, I cannot look at the mirror and be like, man, I look really good with this booger. That's not the definition of cleanliness or beauty. Like, I can't say that, right? There is, not having a booger is good, right? So there is, a, a, there is a, a, the direction I need to go in as far as to remove that booger. So it, I need to look inside where are the, spiritual boogers if you will where are the that's a good yeah, there, there's your there's your clickbait for you <laughs> i need to see wh wh where are there um sins or struggles or voids or pain or aches you name it inside of me that need to be cleansed right so i the only way i can define what is good or not good or healthy or unhealthy is that i need to look at the perfection of god i need to look at jesus to be able to have that again I know this is broad and there's various assessments I can do to get to know who I am more, but at a high level, the framework, the headline is that. I, I'm going to take that point a little bit further and I'm going to relate to something that you, was either you or one of Abraham said back in, way back when we went to the convent like a couple months ago. Um, and it's like, God has to break us down in order to build us back up. It's like that same thing, like we have to break down that wall of like resisting and like not like kind of like leaving God away and trying to like figure out ourself, I guess. We have to let that down, let ourselves fall apart into pieces to really understand who we are when we build it back up. So I think that was uh, like, that was like a spot on, obviously it's a spot on answer. Um, and I, I agree with 100%. And I would like to go like with this process of breaking down. Um, obviously it's, it's really hard and it's, it's, because it, it, it can go, there's like one or two ways, like at least I see that this happens. It's either something you could say like negative happens to you, something like that hurts you, that builds you back up, you know, like the, like struggling tribulations, or it's like just letting God like take control. 
Um, and those are two really hard things like to deal with because they both take a lot of faith. And um, faith is obviously very important to spiritual success. So um, what do you see as like the main role of faith within um, like our spirituality? The main role of faith. So yeah. in, in, in our spiritual growth. If I take a synonymous term for faith, it's trust. I, if, if I'm wanting to grow spiritually, then I need to acknowledge, like you mentioned, that I am limited pursuing the unlimited. So if, if, I'm, so if that's the framework, there has to be, if I unpack that, there has to be trust. There has to be faith in a higher being and whom my life is in the palm of his hand. So I have to put my trust in that direction. I have to put my trust in God's unconditional love for me. So that trust, that faith, is a fundamental element in order for me to know myself, for me to know that I am limited, I am weak, I am sick, trying to move toward the physician of my soul, body, and spirit. So I have to acknowledge that. So that trust, that faith, in, in this higher being, who is the Trinity, this is what allows me to move forward. Uh, so it is almost the catalyst. There has to be that trust and faith that there is someone bigger than myself and whom I'm trying to attain and participate with and abide in. So this has to be the driving force in order for me to move forward. So that for sure has to be the catalyst, the driving force to move forward. Is that trust? Is that faith in God? I mean, what happens if we, we lack that trust or like we have trust, but it's just it's fading away not necessarily like fully but it's just like it's not as strong like how would you like combat that yeah yeah great question so if i'm not putting my trust i mean correct me if i'm wrong if i kind of pair if i put your guys questions together and put in a different term if i'm not putting trust in the higher being of god i'm putting my trust in something else Right. So it, there's I'm always putting my trust in something. So if I'm not putting it in God, there has to be another element, another entity in which I am putting my trust in. So, for example, if I'm not putting my trust in God, I'm my the natural reflex is going to put my trust in my logic and how I comprehend things of me thinking what's best for me. Right. So if that's the case, then I need to take a step back and assess if I'm putting my trust in me. Do I have full control over every aspect of my life? And, and, and regardless of anyone's worldview, they would say the answer is no. I, I don't have full control. There is a higher being who threads everything together for my benefit, for my edification. So I need to assess, okay, yes, maybe I am struggling to put my ultimate trust in God. But where am I putting it? If I'm not putting it in him, where am I putting it? Am I putting it in temporal things? Am I putting it on my success online, my success on social media, my success in academics, my success in my popularity, where am I putting my success? So I, I need to take a step back. If it's not in him, then where is it going? Where am I leaning in toward? Where am I putting my trust? So I need to assess that. So, I mean, as we say in the Psalms, like some put their, some people put their trust, King David says, some people put their trust in princes, some, some people put their trust in temporal things. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing the, the, uh, the Psalm, but ultimately I'm wanting to put my trust in him. So, if I'm struggling of putting my trust in him, then, that, then the follow-up question needs to be, where am I putting my trust? Where am I putting the trust? So I need to have that second assessment. And again, for all of us, because of our brokenness, our reflex is then to put our trust in my logic. 
I know what's best for myself. Nobody else gets me. I'm going to do what's best. And I naturally fall back into making my logic my God. I really like that point about like making logic your, sorry, about making like our own logic, our own God, because it, I feel like it's a very dangerous thing. It's something that I do a lot, like a lot, a lot, because, um, it's like, kind of like, I know what's best. I know, you know, what's good for me, but like in this, in this idea of like, like what I want to do, my logic, like there's, there's times where, you know, your will lines up with God's will. There's times where. Um, your will is just is, is wrong. So how, because spiritual success, some, a part, a portion of it is like, how does like, how do I match my will with God's will? So like moving that conversation, like that direction, like how do I like transcend above my logic? How do I move past my logic and into, um, in putting my faith into God? Like how do I take that step to push past it to really line up my will with God's will? Yeah, great question, Isaiah. I wish, I think all of us would wish it was a button to press, right? (laughs) I want to have trust in God, boom. And we press it and like all of a sudden, okay, great. Now I can just let go of my logic and I'm putting all into God. Obviously, we want to be in sync to take our broken logic and bring it into uh, God and surrender, obviously, to him, right? So that's synonymous with trust, faith. I want to surrender my logic and put my ultimate trust in him. And your question is saying, like, how do I move in that direction? Correct? Yes. How am I going to move in the direction of trusting God? Since we agree it's not a button, another image or, or, or analogy to look at is that it is a muscle to build. I need to move in the direction of putting, of building and strengthening and working out that muscle of putting trust into God. So the more spiritual exercises I do that help strengthen that muscle, the more I'm able to move in that direction to put trust in him. So then the follow-up question to that, what are those spiritual exercises? The more I'm consumed with him, the more I spend time with him in quiet prayer time, the more I spend time with him in communal liturgical uh, prayer, the more I'm able to engage myself in the sacramental life of the church, the, the more I'm able to come with a repentant heart, the more I'm able to, to be fully, you know, in, in drenched with God in every capacity, through every, in, in every way, then that's how I'm strengthening that muscle then to be able to surrender to him. So it's not a muscle we press. It's not a, sorry, it's not a button we press, but it's a muscle that I have to continue to, to, to strengthen through those various spiritual exercises in which this 2,000-year-old church gives us. Yeah, and I think like spiritual exercise, this is actually a question I was going to ask. Like what are things that, what are exercises that we can do to direct us towards like living a more spiritual life? So... Um, the church does give us a lot, but what is like a practical, like, um, just like a practical, practical, like plan to like put ahead to maybe like increase, uh, spiritual success. It seems so weird. The suggestion I'm about to give, it seems like there's no correlation, but I'm going to give this proposal as as a suggestion of how to build, strengthen that muscle that has been tried and true for 2000 years. For 2,000 years, Christians or Jesus followers have always been praying with a posture of having their hands out like this. And obviously, we see that in various other versions of Christianity, so I'm not specifically saying it's an orthodox thing. But when we're praying like this, I'm giving this posture of saying, I'm surrendering. I'm, I'm letting go of my logic, and I'm yearning for God, right? This is a universal posture. We even see children do it. Like, I'm coming to God. I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to surrender myself to Him, so I'm coming like this. 
So as elementary as it might look and sound and feel, but when I continue to build this spiritual muscle of, of this uh, posture, of, of having my hands out in prayer, in prayer and even randomly, doing a prostration in which I'm going down, I am changing my mind. I'm renewing my mind. The Greek word is matanya. When I'm renewing my mind or changing my mind, I'm putting down my logic because logic is where I lean in toward to put my trust in my logic. I'm putting that down and I'm wanting to resurrect with God's logic as the one that controls me and whom I'm surrendering to. So my suggestion as just two simple elementary spiritual exercises is the posture of praying with your hands out and the posture of prayer of doing a prostration. This helps me fight the temptation of leaning on my own logic and reaching to God. And obviously, um, that is a huge marker of spiritual success. And I think those are like two exercises that, <clears throat> sorry, that we kind of like take for granted. We just see as like, so like a mundane, it's like, whatever, just yeah. do it. But, um, it, it, especially like in another part of spiritual success, like repentance, it's one of, it's a very like important thing. It's almost like, it's the same thing, like I said, like putting your logic down, raising up with God's logic. Like you put the sin down and you raise up, you know, with, with Christ again. So, um, I think it's like, it applies to many different parts of not just logic, but like a lot of different things that we tend to lean on. We tend to lean towards. So that leads into the next topic, which is like, um, kind of like resisting sin because in, if, when you resist, sin, I, I want to, Elijah said this in the sermon today, when you resist sin, you make peace to God. Mm. And so I would like to get like kind of your thoughts on, uh, like, how may how really to i mean every obviously every sin is different but if you had to put a plan together for sin in general how to just resist sin itself like how would you like what is the first step to take to resist like any sin i'll use the term uh diagnose sin like we need a diagnostic state to define what is sin if we have a temptation a reflex to redefine sin then i need to go back and say this is my sin this is my struggle and i need to label sin as sin so like so i need to to as, as you mentioned i want to mention today it's like if i'm going to move toward healing i need to define sin as being sin so this is the first step so if the first flaw and fall of man was deception of saying what's the big deal of me eating from this tree? Man, it looks like the other trees. It's probably no big deal. That within itself is deception. That to me redefining God's command. But I don't need to, I, I need to fight the temptation of redefining things. A sin is a sin. If I, if I have cancer cells on my body, I can't look at it under a microscope and be like, oh, that, that, that's just the flu. I can't redefine it. It's a sickness. So I need to say, this is cancer, this is sin. I need to nip it at the bud before it grows and, and, and utterly destroys every aspect of my life. So I need to cut the sin. So but the first step I need to do is I need to diagnose it. This is how I do to find physical healing. I need to diagno diagnose this is a cancerous cell. I need to cut it. In the same way, I need to find sin as being sin and not try to, you know, make it look cute and rosy from outside and redefine it or, in other words, fall into deception. No, I need to make sure that I have full clarity of saying, this is sin, this is God's command that gives me new life, that edifies me, that restores me. So I need to define God's promise as God's promise and sin as sin. So, 
I mean, I I also um feel like the number one thing is, uh, like our servant said in Sunday school is to expose that sin, to like know what you're struggling with, and then approach it, like um through confession and repentance. So I feel like the first step is to actually realize it and admit that you're struggling with it. Well said. By the way, I love that both of you guys are paying attention to Sunday school and the liturgies <laughs> today. This is a huge win for this podcast episode that both of you guys have walked away. I mean, I, I really hope your priest and your, your servants watch this so they can just uh, give you guys extra credit. You guys are awesome. I'm paying attention. Thank you, Abuna. Um, but I would like to go back to like this point, like, um, um, like defining sin as sin. Because that goes just in hand with like how like Satan's like number one trick, which Abuna also said in the sermon, which is like um, I forgot what the, I forgot exactly what he said, but it's kind of like distorting the truth is what he said. Like the devil, what he does, is he distorts the truth, and it's that same thing when we like sin. We're like, oh, it's like oh, it's whatever. Like it's that same thing where it, like sin is sin. Like that's a truth, and that's resisting the devil. Like, um, and that's. Um, like when we talk about the armor of God, he also talked about that today, uh, is like, you know, we have the sword of the spirit, right? And the spirit is God and God is truth. So we have this sword that is, all it is is truth. And um, like, just like, you know, like the big thing that the saints that goes back to like the physical, like hands out, is like the sign of the cross. It's that same thing to resist sin. It's a, it's a true like physical manifestation of faith. And I think like, because like obviously faith without works is dead. And I feel like even works like that, they're not really like, you're not working. You're not like, it's not when we think of works, we think of serving, we think yeah. of doing things. But it's, I think honestly, like works can even be defined as something as simple as the sign of the cross or as simple as, you know, learning, you know, a hymn at church. Like something that is so like, we, we just see as like whatever, but you put work into it, you put physical work into it in order to achieve it. And it's a spiritual thing. And it's kind of like, Sure, it's not the full definition of like faith with works. You know, you can't just do the sign on the cross and say, you know, I'm covered. But it's those small things that like build up and help you like sin is sin, truth is truth. And it's like goes back to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about like relative truth. Like, you know, truth is truth. So I, I think um, it's those like small physical tasks and then like real, like what one is like exposing the sin. I feel like for me personally, like that's what I would say. Um, would be like the two biggest ways to like resist sin. Big time, big time. Totally agree. And one, sorry, one more thing um, is the armor of Christ, the helmet, the five senses that we use. And that ties uh, to the Sunday school lesson again, lust. We use those five senses, whether we're watching something or listening to something. And that really like, that takes us back into our sin that we struggle with. Big time. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and so like like what he's saying like uh, like to just use lesson ex as an example like we like it, it, uh, something else for spiritual health. And I think I've noticed this a lot with myself like um like I, I haven't listened to any secular music when that knows this. Yeah. Um in I don't know, like months. Like I I strictly listen to hymns. It's kind of he, some people get annoyed when they get in my car cuz I don't let them play what they want, but it's like you do notice a difference because if you're always filling yourself with hymns, with Christ and stuff, like, because it, it, it's really hard to justify, I'm going to go, especially when it comes to lust, I'm going to go and do this sin 
and it's just the him playing in the back of your head. Like yeah. you can't, you you can't justify it. You cannot. There's no way for you to sit there and be like, yeah, it's okay, until it like goes away and you know it's too catchy. It doesn't like it sticks in your head. It keeps persisting and it's like it, my dad always says like whatever comes in is what's gonna go out. Big time. You know, even though you know what comes in the body does not defile the body, but it plays a big role. It comes out the body, and so I, I think another thing is like what we fill ourselves with and especially now with like social media and all that stuff it's so easy to i mean even unintentionally fill yourself up fill yourself up with stuff you should not be filling yourself up with so that really leads to my next question which is um like obviously a lot of us we spend a lot of time on social media and just other tasks that are just mundane and just like they, they, they're not for edification so what are some maybe simple things that aren't uh, too extreme or like too hard to do that spiritually edify you? Or, I mean, maybe not even just spiritually, but in general, just um, like help lead towards spiritual success. Yeah, great, great question. I mean, since you brought up social media, maybe we can use that. I mean, if, if social media is great. I'm on social media, I love social media, but we need to be more intentional and strategic of how we utilize this very powerful tool in our lives one practical way that you say without going extreme here is be intentional of who we follow online like i don't i'm not just going to be passive and just liking everything following everything uh but i want to be intentional what are the things that edify me that strengthen me that give me positive powerful messages that keep me anchored in the reality of god but instead of me following this person that's always posting these types of pictures you're following this type of nonsense that kind of plays with my mind plays with my heart I need to unfollow it. So that way I'm consuming uh, items, materials, content that is edifying me, that's building me up. So I need to be more intentional and more strategic uh, when it comes to social media and not be passive about the things I might like or follow or subscribe to. Subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Wanna... <laughs> and I actually did something you said last week um, in your sermon. It, the reason why it stuck out to me is because you you called that podcast yeah. like three times. <laughs> and obviously whenever you hear that word, you pause like, hey, hey I just heard the word podcast. I need to stop sleeping, right? Oh, I wasn't sleeping, I promise. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's like, like you need to be intentional about what you listen to, what you look at. Um, and you kept mentioning, you know, if there's a podcast you need to cut out, you got to cut it out. But not this one. This is the one you go to and you yeah, cut yeah. out the other ones. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but it's, it's, again, it's that, it's, and, and it all goes back to like resisting, resisting sin. And something Abuna said, Abuna Elisha said today that really, really hit me in the sermon was like, you can't resist Satan if you can't resist yourself. Actually, uh, sorry, that's what Amber Gregory said yesterday, last mm. night. Sorry, it's, it's all mixing up in my head. Um, but his grace, he said, like, you have to resist yourself for your resistance. And the example he gave was like, he's a very, um, he, he drinks a lot of coffee, mm. right? Oh. And he was saying, like, you know, at some point he was like, you know, I need to learn how to like, you know, I guess like resist coffee. Coffee's not bad. You're drinking three cups of coffee a day. It might be bad for you medically, but it's not like, it's not a sin. Um, so like before you can cut out, so you have to cut out what's good. So he's like, you know, I'll drink the first cup. It's okay. The second cup, if I want it, I'll have it, but there's no third cup. And it's, I think we can like, that's like a, one of those like practical things we can do. It's like something that we enjoy doing. That's not necessarily a sin. Like whether for people like our age, whether that's video games or, um, I don't know, I can't think of any other examples. Um, but it's like, 
you know, like, you know, one hour's fine, like whatever, like one hour on Saturday is fine. Two hours if I want it, but three, no, like that's like kind of, I feel like how you would like kind of equate that. And so I think that's really good because not only does it build that muscle of self-control, but it's also, it's not as hard to stop doing as like, you know, sinning because sinning is for a lot of reasons, a lot harder to just stop and cut out and you're perfectly defining fasting i mean that's exactly what we're talking about fasting right so it's not about the cheese and the eggs but i'm building that focus that discipline to cut off certain aspects that that kind of just fill me up with temporal things that way i can be filled with eternal things so yeah like as you mentioned his grace bishop gregory gave a great example saying you know what maybe i'll cut the amount of coffee that way i'm reminding myself or building that muscle to be filled with something that's more nourishing Yep. I think, uh, you have any thoughts on that? Anything to say? Amazing episode. <laughs> we need a part three. <laughs> I think that'll uh, wrap it up. Thank you so much, Abuna. My pleasure, gentlemen. Uh, for being on here again. And that will wrap up the success series. And we have a lot of exciting episodes coming up. And a challenge. But uh, and we'll yeah, spoil it. a lot of exciting cha uh, challenges. A lot of episodes coming up yeah. within the next few weeks. So. Hit that uh, notification bell to make sure you're the first one to see it. That's all. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Was I not supposed to swim and, the shower? Uh, uh, it's, that's fine. Okay. And Bethania's asleep. Yeah, so I don't want to check the time. Jacob ran away. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know how long that was. What time is it? 4.59. Well, time definitely, definitely did pass by quick. Let's see that, gentlemen. Here, I can tell you how long it was. As well. Yeah, that's not bad. It's uh, probably 30 ish. <sighs> Thank you, Wuna. Good job, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Isaiah. Enjoy the hours of editing. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be that long this time. Hopefully not. This time will be hours. Last time you have to find uh, ways to.